Chief Miller is dedicated to featuring the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Chief Miller has a family of content creators who feature great people doing great things, making the fire service a better place. Make sure to follow along as Chief Miller creates, shares, collaborates, and features the special people who call themselves firefighters. Follow along on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller underscore. Like him on Facebook at Chief underscore Miller number one. And watch for all the podcasts featured within the Chief Miller media family. Make sure to check out ChiefMillerApparel.com for all your fire service apparel needs. BSWUSA.com has come through for me yet again, gang. Hey, it's Jason, and today I'm introducing you to the newest addition to the Canman Radio Show, this awesome-sounding Shure SM7B microphone. Now, this mic is a game-changer. It's been around for decades. It's been used in all facets of sound, from radio to music production to voiceover work and by some of the best podcasting platforms across the world. Now, if you're like me and you're looking to maybe upgrade your equipment or maybe you're getting into podcasting for the first time, there's no reason why you shouldn't go check out bswusa.com today. My friend Jamie Singer and his sound aficionados will work with you and get you into the most affordable price point for some of the best equipment that provides you some of the purest sound out there. So go check out my friends at bswusa.com today. The K-Man Radio Show is proudly sponsored by some great firefighter-owned businesses, and we're going to talk about them here for a second, starting with my friends Peter and Nikki from AxeCaps.com. If you're in the market for some quality apparel, what about direct-to-garment printing? Are you looking to bring your own brand out to the world? Well, go check out AxeCaps.com today. Peter and Nikki will be sure to take care of you. Also, Ian Sargent from South Florida at SGT Firebags. That's SargentFirebags, SGTFirebags.com. If you're in the market for a wash radio strap or a clean gear bag to protect you from the carcinogens out there reduce that risk of cancer exposure guess what sgt firebags has you covered use can man for 10 percent off and my brother herb tyler from nrc or national rescue consultants if you're looking to get usar educated from some of the best out there go check out my brother herb tyler at nrc.com that's national rescue consultants Get off your ass, canners, and get ready for some extreme tabletop exercises. It's time for the Can Man Radio Show. And now, your fearless leader, the senior canner himself, Jason Liska. are about to open up above me i'm sitting here with an angelic like figure today for this episode of the Man radio show a friend of mine who has been with me from day one of the creation of this whole movement this foundation from facebook to instagram to twitter now the podcast and he has literally been the angel of the family as well as some of my other friends and family that have come down over the past week to help out but 
I'm going to start by saying this before I introduce him, and it's going to be a thank you because the brotherhood you displayed for my family, for me, for my wife, the assistants stepping up, I can't thank you enough for. So, ladies and gentlemen, you may know him as Seamus, but I also know him as Chris, and my brother Chris is on with us today. So, welcome to the show, my brother. I cannot tell you how excited I am to actually have you here today. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're far too kind. Oh, listen. Um, when and by the way, and rumors of my untimely demise are greatly over exaggerated. I just want to point that out. There, there was a, a little cardiac hiccup uh, a week ago, and I was transported and taken to the hospital from shift, and I did end up having a heart cath, but everything came out okay. But what I was most pleased with, what what helped me get through a lot of this, was having the support of you, Chris, having you there take over the helm and not only just keep people updated and, and posted, you interacted with Sarah, you you provided yourself access, well, us access to you at any time. You stepped up, man. And, you know, just like my brother Mark Freeman did coming from Long Island and spent the week with us with Nikki, you know, I, I, I just, you guys and, and the rest of the family out there, I cannot be more grateful to you for doing that, Chris. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And like I said, you know, I don't feel like I did much. I'm glad to, that I was able to be of some help. And, uh, uh, you know, that's that's the way it's supposed to be. We take care of each other. Well, you got me through some of those awkward moments where the Percocet or the morphine or the fentanyl might have been working and the nitro paste was definitely causing the headache. And you're like, so what are they doing now? Oh, well, they're giving me more pills. Uh, what else are they doing? Well, I don't know. Uh, they're going to shave me here soon. Oh, tell me about how that experience is going to go. I don't know because I'm a little concerned myself. I'm not wanting a male nurse nor a female nurse. How do I get a non-gender, non-binary nurse in here or myself? Let me just do it. I'll shave myself. Don't worry about it. But it was definitely an experience. And, and I don't know if I talked out of my head at some points, but uh, you kept me going and you kept me laughing. And four days in the hospital, you were there. And, and I can't thank you for that again. I know I keep saying it, but I mean it because that's how important you and everything you've done for my family means, how it is important and what it means to me. And, and so we're going to we're going to digress we're, we're done with me. I don't want to talk about me anymore. I want to talk about you. That's the whole point to why we're on this episode today. And there's a very special meaning to this. And if you guys are familiar with the Smoke Diver program and you're familiar with what Oklahoma has just done, what Chad Miller, who is going to be a guest uh, soon, hopefully on this show, um, we've talked on this uh, subject on the phone and he wants to come out and talk to us about Smoke Diver 2 coming up and what it led to, uh, what led to getting to Smoke Diver 2 by creating Smoke Diver 1 one which is what you did and before we get to that though 14 years and a little bit of volley time in missouri is what you uh what you have going for you right now so let's talk about you let's talk about your background so uh, i grew up around the fire service my dad was a, a volunteer in the town where i grew up mm -hmm. uh, so i, I kind of grew up around the firehouse um then uh in my, my formative years in high school, I was, uh, uh, our local volunteer department had a junior volunteer program. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of those now are cadet programs or, you know, some, uh, some still operate under the same kind of premise. But, uh, uh, you know, my teenage years, again, I spent a lot of time in the firehouse around firefighters doing fireman things and uh, uh, got First certified firefighter one when I was 18, um, because that's 
how old I had to be to be able to get certified. Mm-hmm. Uh, and go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. I was, was going to say I went off to, uh, to go to college cause you know, that's what you're supposed to do. And, uh, uh, after a short stint in college, um, I decided maybe that wasn't for me and, uh, started pursuing the fire service. Um, was still pretty young at the time. Didn't, uh, uh, didn't get hired here locally and, uh, didn't necessarily have guidance to say, you know what, maybe you should try applying elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I just kind of went on about life and, uh, spent, uh, about 15 years doing other things and, uh, wasn't happy. Yeah. I did, uh, you know, I really, the fire service is, uh, is really where my heart has always been. And, uh, with some convincing from, uh, from my bride, um, went back, got updated, uh, fire firefighter one and two certifications, got my EMT put in my application a couple places. Um, Actually, the department that I work for now, I put in my application just thinking, you know, it's been a long time since I went through an interview process and done anything like that. So uh, maybe it'll be good practice. And so I went through the the uh, the testing and interview process. Um, and then it was uh, it was, a, you know, a few months later. I got my rejection letter from the, the local department once again. Mm-hmm. And within a couple of days, I got a call from the chief of, uh, of the department where I am saying, Hey, do you want a job? So, um, that's, uh, that's kind of in a, a nutshell how I wound up where I am. Um, been there, like I said, it'll be 14 years in January. So, wow. Uh, and, and so you went to college too, to start like me and, and, and faded out quickly, you know, thought you'd yeah. try that out. Hey. Well, yeah, you know, I, I was kind of always told as a, as a kid growing up, you know, you go to school, you go to college, then, then you make something yourself. And, yeah. uh, for, uh, an ADD, um, uh, kind of person like, uh, like myself and, and probably like a lot of us in the fire service and me college just wasn't the right spot for me. And, and I, I figured out pretty quickly, I didn't want to be an architect when I grew up after all. So, uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up, but uh, the fire service is working okay so far. And so you've had a pretty interesting career. And and just so you know, the A for alpha doesn't just apply to alpha, okay, in the fire service. ADD, okay, it all starts with an A at the end of the day. So when you think about personality types, we're all in that spectrum in one form or fashion, trust me. But I will say that not unlike you, you know, I came up in the cadets, I came up in the volunteers, and I did go to college, worked in broadcasting, and and I started with dispatching when I decided to break out into this profession full time, because I mean, it was just the way to go it was a foot in the door. And it wasn't until later in life, I realized college was important. You know, I, I pissed around and, and didn't take school seriously. I was getting journalism or communications, uh, you know, for the degree, and it was an associates. And I'm like, ah, I could do better things with my time. And I did, obviously. Um, I raised a family and, and married this beautiful woman that's sitting just 10 feet behind me on the other side of this wall. And I did great things because those great things got me to here. But you, your bride, and you brought that point up, your bride got you into the mindset it's Time to buckle down, Seamus. It's time to get your head in the game. What are we doing here? You know, I think it was less that 
and more. I'm tired of hearing you complain about not being happy and, and uh, this will be something more steady and it's something that you want to do and have said you've wanted to do for a long time. So do it or shut up. about it. Well, I was trying to trying to throw a shameless plug to the wife. I was trying to throw her a bone here. Come on. Uh, the woman's a saint. Uh, Aren't they all? Aren't they all? So 14 years in your department and you're currently driving the big red truck and you're enjoying that moment. Are you not? Well, there are times that I enjoy that. Um, I kind of, uh, I spend some time frustrated uh, based on on how things are and and the direction that things are going and have gone and and kind of where I've been placed. But Mm -hmm. uh, working through that, trying to learn and grow and and become better from that and uh, working towards trying to become an officer Mm -hmm. uh, next time around. so. So if you had to name one thing, that sets you in a position where you get most irritated with the fire service. And if it was something that you felt as a leader, you could fix, what would be that thing? Where are you at in your mindset? Because you, you've pursued leadership since I've known you and probably since before then. And we've had these discussions where you want to be a Lou, you want to be in that officer role, but you're not doing it for the wrong reasons. You're looking to help affect a good change and maybe a cultural identity change in some cases. But I also feel that you bring a lot of momentum and a lot of pride and a lot of uh, honor and, and you value tradition in this profession. So I'm wondering where are you at? I might've just said it for you, but I want to hear your words. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's one of the things is that that probably is the biggest bone of contention that I have is we seem to have lost our way. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we kind of, uh, the fire service in general has always been that, you know, if somebody doesn't know, how to fix a problem. They're having a bad day. They don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Who do they call? They call us. They call the fire service. Yeah. Uh, and, and we come and fix it. But we, I think to, uh, to some degree to our, our detriment, we've kind of scattered farther away from our, our core focus. And, and yes, we still have that. We're here to help regardless of, of who you are, what your situation is, what's going wrong. We'll figure out how to fix it. Mm -hmm. But um, we seem to have have strayed from the core mission a lot. And that, uh, you know, it still says fire department on the side of our rigs. And and when people, uh, when people have problems, there's, there's always someone that can fix a a problem, whether it's, you know, a medical problem or Mm -hmm. a cat, you know, stuck in a culvert or something. They don't know who all they call us, but sure. When shit's burning, there's nobody else that can come and make that better than us. And we have to be the best at doing that. And and uh, sometimes I think we let some of that other stuff just kind of distract us from from being still good at that, even though that's not what we do every day. What it sounds like is you're there. there's a cultural struggle right now. And, and there is in a lot of departments. I mean, the branding and the identity of the fire service has changed over the last hundred years. I mean, in the last 20 years, 30, 40 years with the introduction of, you know, hazmat teams in one component of the country to USAR. And then you tack in now EMS, which has been a, a prominent component for major departments across this country uh, for many, many decades now. And you think about how we spread ourselves so thin. We're a very multifaceted organization. And, you know, you have the ability to try at any capacity at any level to do any number of things whether it's a complicated trench you know type operation to you know 
getting the kitten out of the tree or a cardiac arrest or a blazing structure fire. And I hate to use the term blazing. It sounds like a cliche. So I'll rub that one out for a second. But let's say that you've got that moment. You know, we have a number of things that can happen to us in a day. And you talk about preparedness and you talk about the fact that we have to be on our A game. And I, I look at culture in a lot of ways to that. And I see problems with the gapping, uh, the gap between, you know, the generations. And I've addressed this a lot of ways to try to bridge that gap where the identity between the two doesn't exist and the culture kind of erodes. And it seems like you lose that focus on trying to get one section readied, you know, get the one section to ready the next section up to their level within five to 10 years. And that's just my perspective. Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that I think as a whole, fire service is, uh, is not as good as, as we need to be at that succession planning. Uh-huh. Um, and I think, at least from my perspective, I've seen a shift of, uh, you know, guys not helping to bring those newer guys along. Uh-huh. Newer guys we're seeing, and, and this has been talked about ad nauseum, but, uh-huh. you know, the newer guys are coming in, they have fewer of the life skills that, uh, the guys before us even had, you know, they came from trades or they came from what oh, yeah. they came from war or something, you know, they, they had more life skills and more life experience. And we're seeing more guys come in that uh, they don't have that same level. And, and we kind of have lost in that transition. We've lost the ability to take someone from, uh, you know, I listened to uh, chief David Rhodes, uh-huh. who's uh, again, involved with the smoke diver program, but he's out of Atlanta uh, he was talking one day about his academy, uh, helping helping to instruct at the academy and having to explain um, how they attach the uh, the SCA, SCBA bottles and how to screw that on. Mm-hmm. And guys didn't understand how to screw the thing together. He had to break it down to, okay, you take this soda bottle and you see how the lid screws on. Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to do this. We're, we're those threads. That's what's called that holds that together. Yep. That's what's on here. And we have to be careful about how we do it. So we don't mess those threads up and we have to break it down to that level, but we've lost the ability or, or gotten frustrated with having to, or whatever the case may be. And so we're, we're kind of, we've got a lot of these guys that have just kind of floated in and and they don't necessarily have the, uh, the ability to pass that knowledge on because maybe, maybe they, when they went through, they just kind of hit the, the high spots and they didn't get it broken down because everybody just kind of assumed you know how to screw this together so I don't have to explain it to you. But now we're to the point where we actually have to break it down to the very most minute level so that guys can understand it and, and fully develop. And we're kind of, we're floating along that, you know, the, the gap between good and great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're floating along at that mediocre to good instead of being able to move past and onto that, that great level because we're, we're, losing a lot of the the transition of, or the uh, the ability to to uh, connect with them and make yeah, it happen 
to transfer that knowledge and those skills. And you're so right. And what's scary. And, and, you know, I've talked about the, the, the great exodus of the fire service. Now for me, what I witnessed in Florida, you know, a lot of people left the fire service and, and that's something I'll never forget. They had a tactile ability or they had a skill, they had a trade, they had a craft that they did before the fire service, even, you know, welding to building, to fabricating, to whatever. I mean, they did plumbing, they did electrical work. So they had places to go, you know, they had things they could do and they could go out on their own. Hell, someone into real estate, surprisingly, and actually did very well for themselves and never looked back. And then there are the guys that did come back because they didn't find that satisfaction. But here, you know, we lost a lot of that middle ground of the fire service after the recession kicked in and, you know, departments started, you know, you know, stopped hiring. They stopped raising uh, wages. They stopped really negotiating in good faith. And again, it wasn't, like I said, necessarily the department's fault. It was the design of the situation. It was what was going on in our economy at that moment in time. And we had a lot of structural issues that led to people and morale just, you know, leaving the service and leaving that gap between the beginning and the end of the service where no middle ground was there to buffer between them. And I see these kids coming in and what scares me, and, and this is something that I've talked about before, you know, when you talk to a friend in 2010, 11, as a fire academy instructor, and one of their guys comes in and they fail a test, they fail it a second time. And in most classes, that means you're out of the class, right? You, you go, you're done. You don't get a third chance. What is embarrassing is not so much for the instructor, Although it could be, I imagine, but when the parents of said 21 year old, you know, person come in the next day with the 21 year old cadet and say, you don't have the right to kick my kid out of your class. I'm paying for this child to be here. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Your child did not meet the standard that we expect for minimum standards for the fire school. And we're supposed to give them a free pass. And, and how does that set the standard or the tone for the rest of the students who if they did let this kid back in? And, and sadly, in some cases, they they allowed it. You know, the school district would say, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. You know, and th this is, you know, fire academies across the state, not necessarily in Florida alone. I'm sure it was a widespread issue, too. But then all of a sudden that entitlement kicks in and then these kids come into the fire department with that. Well, if I fail or if I screw up, it's OK, because, you know, look what happened. I mommy and daddy came to the rescue. No, you're an adult and we got to show you how to be an adult. And it's OK, because make the mistake, screw up. We'll teach you. But don't be arrogant. Don't don't be one of those kids that thinks you're just going to get it handed to you because that's not how we were trained. You know, we were taught in the school of hard knocks. And, and that's a very true story. We were taught to shut up and open your ears and do the job, earn your seat at the table. And while we know that doesn't always work now, there is a way to bridge that gap. There is a way to connect with them. And I feel it has kind of been allowed to happen, but that's again, we're mentoring and that's where things occur. And you see the, the, the five to 10 year regime building again. And you see those guys with that experience, those girls with that experience saying, okay, Mr. One to five or Mrs. One to five, I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to show you how to be a good firefighter. And that's important. Absolutely. You know, um, but that's not necessarily why we're here today because I want to talk about smoke diver. I want, to, I want to talk about your experience in, in you know, Oklahoma. Um, this year, they put on their, their first ever smoke diver program. And they work together with uh, Georgia Smoke Divers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, like I said, I've had the pleasure of talking to uh, Chief Chad Miller on a few occasions, just learning more about what they did and the time it took to get that program uh, to what it is today. And it wasn't overnight. 
that, that was definitely not an overnight process. Absolutely. It took a lot of time and, and Chief will explain that when he comes on the show, but something occurred in you and you're how old now? I am 48. And you wanted to go to smoke divers at 48 years old. Okay, that that's incredible. All right. And I want to know, when you found out Oklahoma, now you had Indiana, you had Georgia, you even have Florida. But Oklahoma, something about Oklahoma, you know, it, it resonated with you. And you said, I want to try that program. So let's talk about that. Well, there were a couple of things. Uh, you know, I, I had heard about smoke diver several years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those things as as you know, you progress in your fire service career and you're looking for different, uh, different points to, to be able to soak up knowledge and, and learn things. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I tend to uh, gravitate towards maybe looking for the harder way to do things okay. sometimes. <laughs> no, I get it. I get but, it. Uh, I learned about smoke diver, the Georgia program mm-hmm. and kind of, kind of looked into it a little bit, but never really looked too seriously at it and kind of, you know, life goes on and other things. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody of being distracted by some of these things. You know, I got into, uh, uh, technical rescue side of things and, and USAR and, and involved in, the, uh, a FEMA USAR team. And, and so, you know, the smoke diver stuff just kind of, kind of went on the back burner in my mind. And, okay. Uh, I happened to be at a conference a couple years ago, a few years ago now, um, and uh, took a search class that was uh, uh, happened to be put on by uh, all the instructors of the class were smoke divers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was an excellent search class. Uh, all the instructors were top notch. Um, but during the course of that class, I got talking with a few of them and chief Miller happened to be one and, and chief Lloyd also from uh, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, kind of got talking a little bit about the smoke diver program and, and uh, they planted the seed in my head, you know, we're starting an Oklahoma program mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be coming at the time. Uh, they were, I think they were maybe two years out from, uh, from their first class. Yeah. And uh, uh, that, kind of lit the fire in me again, uh, thinking about trying to do that and knowing at my age, you know, that window is closing. Um, I try to stay in, in, in as good a shape as I can. Mountain um, biking aside, mountain biking aside, <laughs> let's let the, the, the imagery that goes up on Facebook. When I see you out on a hard ride, I'm like, okay, is he going to break a finger or a leg or his neck today? What are we doing? What are we doing? But, uh, so, you know, I, I realize that I, I have a limited window to be able to get this in. Yeah. Uh, but there's also something really cool about the prospect of being involved in the very beginning of, of the program or mm-hmm. the, the first class of the program. Like, you know, there's a lot of legwork, like you said, that it, it took them years to, to get the program to the point of being able to put on the first class. So, uh, but being able to be involved in the program from that first class. Uh, so I went, uh, it was, uh, a year ago Thanksgiving time yeah made the drive to Tulsa and uh and tried out and was selected as one of the the first members of the Oklahoma smoke diver class one yeah Um, I think we had uh 24 25 people that were to make up class one Mm -hmm. uh 
Um, and uh, so I spent that time from Thanksgiving through until the beginning of March training, uh, training probably harder than I have in, uh, in a long time. Yeah. And uh, trying to train both my body and my mind and uh, work past several injuries and, and ailments and things that were bothering me throughout the course of that. But I was determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the whole time I was getting ready, I just had in the back of my mind, I'm not ready yet. i got to be pushing harder. I'm not ready yet. Um, March comes around. Uh, I go for class one and uh, meet with everybody. We're in a hotel together, um, and uh, we all kind of go to dinner, and then we're, you know, kind of getting to know each other a little bit, you know, getting ready, trying to calm our nerves a bit. Everybody's trying to figure out what, what, what has anybody been able to learn about the program? What kind of things do we need to know to get through this? Secret society yeah. stuff. Exactly, because yeah. as, as big a program as it is with the, you know, three or four different programs going out there, mm-hmm. there's very little actual information about, you know, what you need to do to prepare. And, and, and you know, rightfully so, because that's part of the preparation is, uh, is the mental aspect of it. It's um, a coveted secret. I mean, absolutely. And, and I, I, not to interrupt, but at the fire college, when they do the class throughout the, the, the months of December, and I think they're doing two this year to make up um uh for covid if i remember correctly they're doing i think a december and january class at the college um they when they're out there you don't go out there especially if you're not someone who works for the fire college and even then they're guarded because they don't want you seeing what they're doing out there because they don't want to give you that false sense of confidence i think or that leg up that you feel you might have by observing their tactics and so what little i've been able to observe i'm like oh shit they're they're hard and heavy they don't mess around and it's not that they're trying to beat them in the ground what they're trying to do is instill confidence in them and what they're trying to do is get them to that breaking point where they realize oh shit I'm not done yet. I can still keep going. And I just got to remember how, what that feels like. And, and I'm sure we've all hit that point in our careers or on a scene where we've surpassed our breaking point. But this is what, five days of solid breaking point, it seems. They don't stop until they tell you it's over and you got to go. And it's, it's six days. They, for those that aren't familiar with the Smoke Diver program, I highly encourage you to look into it. But it's, yeah. uh, it's, uh, the goal behind it is to get you mentally and physically exhausted. And then you start doing fireman shit. You start mm-hmm. learning, um, you know, firefighter rescue type stuff. And, and, you know, all those things that the little bit that I do know about it and, and can share. And I think it's pretty open knowledge is all of the training that they do during that six days, all of the scenarios, everything is based off of actual line of duty deaths. Um, things where firefighters got jammed up or, uh, you know, somebody got into trouble and, and these are, they teach you ways to, when you are at that breaking point at your wits end and you mentally, physically exhausted, teach you that you still have more in the tank and this is how you overcome that. And you, you know, you, you've got to be able to think through the process and, and keep your, keep yourself mentally sharp enough to get through and to, to, to rescue or to save yourself, to save the others that, that might be with you or, you know, all of those things that kind of, I, I kind of think of it as, uh, you know, the, the one, the one warrior, you know, the, yeah. the one who will bring the others back. It's like hell week, basically. 
it's hell week like buds in a sense but for firefighters because now you're you're hitting heard it it compared to that as as a navy seals hell week for firefighting and and it's not about about you know being hard asses and breaking you down and and making you cry and and whatever and getting guys hurt it's about teaching you that when you think you're at your limit yeah you still have more to go and 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 don't ever quit and uh so that was something that really appealed to me as well was that just well it's a big decision i mean at, at 48 years old hell 47 when you decided no i'm i'm gonna do this i'm i'm gonna commit and I remember watching, I believe it was Indiana came before Oklahoma or Indiana and Georgia or Oklahoma running at the same time. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, this past year, Indiana and Oklahoma both started their classes on the same day. Okay, because Indiana was putting uh, several days up on Instagram and they were running live uh, periods. Not everything, trust me. They were showing you what they wanted to show you. And a lot of what you're describing is basically what they were describing in their in their videos and watching day one, day two, day three. And I'm trying to remember, I think it kind of tapered off after like day three, because day four was a little more intense, five and six. They didn't really want to show you more because, again, that was where things were really starting to come together. One of the things the instructors pointed out, and this stuck with me, and it was when he said, do you see those recruits right there? They have literally made it to day three. And what I saw them, when I saw them performing these activities at day one, you know, we all wondered, will they make it to day three or day four? And now seeing them in day three, and I'm paraphrasing him the best way I can, it was, do you see how they're responding? Do you see how they're moving? Do you see how the cadence is between the two people, you know, their buddy that they're working with in the program? It was rhythmic. It was in sync. And it was like, this is where... That's where that muscle memory, if I remember him correctly, kicks in. And that's when your body just goes. And that's, you know, like Nate Carnes said, I believe in, in Smoke Divers, Florida, when he made it through and Georgia was a whole nother experience and a phenomenal one for him because it got him ready for Florida. You know, he said there was a point where I literally just shut off and I remember starting and that was pretty much it. And I remember ending. And, and how far did you go? Where were we at in the Seamus world? Let's talk about that. Well, and, and I hate to admit this. But Don't hate I, to admit anything. I want you to, it's all good, brother. Trust I, me. Uh, I, I made it to day one, made it into day one. And uh, uh, I just, I realized that I was not ready. Okay. Mentally, mentally, I was not ready. I had not convinced myself that I was ready to be there and to finish. Uh, I did take some solace in the fact that I was not the first one to drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I dropped first day, um, felt like an absolute piece of shit. Like I'd let, cause I, I've gotten to know several of the smoke divers, uh, over the last few years since all this started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like, uh, some of them probably vouched for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when this, you know, during the process of, of getting accepted into the program. Uh, and I felt like I let all those guys down as long as, as well as letting myself and my family and, and everybody else down. Uh, I felt like I really let those guys down. So uh, on the drive home, it was a long drive home. Mm-hmm. From Tulsa <laughs> uh, to Missouri. Yes. Yes. Uh, first thing I did was uh, 
I, uh, after I called the wife yeah. and told her what was going on and her, her immediate response, as soon as, uh, as soon as I told her that I was on my way home, she said, when's the next one? Cause she knew mm-hmm. that, uh, it was, uh, it was, I have unfinished business. Um, I've got to go finish this out. Uh, but, uh, after I talked with her, the next thing I did was I sent text messages to those guys. And I was like, I am so sorry. And, uh, you know, there again, if you know any of the smoke divers, if you mm-hmm. spend any time around them, those guys are top notch and they're tight and they are, they're awesome dudes, but they all had the same reaction. And they told me, you know, one, you've got nothing to be sorry for just by coming, you've already done more than 99% of the fire service will ever do. Yep. Uh, you know, so I still, I felt like a piece of shit, but, uh, you know, I, I now have a little better understanding and I've had a little more time to prepare. I uh, quite honestly, I've spent since, uh, since March kind of getting my body back into, um, uh, reasonable health. Okay. So rehabbing the body, growing the mustache and looking good. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, I see it. I've, I've not worked out as hard, okay. uh, but still tried to maintain some level of fitness and, and like I said, rehab the body. And, uh, I am now, uh, after this holiday weekend, I'm now actually, uh, back to, I'm starting my, uh, my lifting program and starting probably try to do some two days and, and nice. get it ready so that I will be ready come end of April, 1st of March. Well, what you just identified was exactly how Basil or Nate or, you know, Chief Don Campbell or Chief Talbert or any one of those instructors that I've had the pleasure of shaking hands with or uh, Tom Deputy or any of the men that I've worked with in the fire service that had smoked diver, you know, when it was the program in the 70s and the 80s and and 90s before the hiatus, it was a different program. I'm not saying entirely different, but the gentlemen who run the program today who have been through it, uh, Scott Chappell, who I work with uh, at the college as well, he's a district captain in a local department, uh, actually in the county I work for, or live in rather, Um, incredible men with incredible integrity. And, you know, the thing that, that always resonated with me, it's the same across the board. This is not about egos. If you're coming here to just say that you can bang the drum loudest and, and get through smoke divers and that that's all you're trying to get credit for, well, it means shit. You're that's, here to learn how to be something better and take that knowledge back with you and put it in the departments you came from. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to make your guys and girls better and you're going to help them. Yeah. The, that brotherhood. And, and they expect you once you have... Even if you haven't completed the program, no matter how far you get through the program, they expect you to take what you learn there, take mm-hmm. it back and spread that and help make others better, stronger, you know, better firefighters. It's, it, that's what the whole program is about is making us all better. Yeah. Um, it's, like I said, it's not about ego. It's not about, you know, who's the baddest motherfucker. It's about who, you know, who, is my brother and and what can I do to help my brother or sister and, and, you know, make us all better. Fucking a right. And, and be honest, I've seen some of the skinniest kids uh, make it through smoke divers and some of the brawniest dudes fail in, in, in the midway of day one, you know, there's no real exact parallel, I think. And yeah, there are hints, you know, like Florida smoke diver puts out workouts and exercises and ideas as to what you should be doing. And I, I think Oklahoma probably does the same thing at a certain point. And so does Indiana and Georgia, all great programs. And 
you know, something that I love about that is the encouragement. You know, it's the messaging. It's you're here to live. Okay. That's the bottom line. Yeah. You're going to get beat down in the, in the physical sense and in the, in the spiritual sense, maybe in the psychological sense. And that's just what's going to happen. I mean, what we do is not a fucking job for the weak minded. Okay. We, we don't function well if we can't accept the fact we're walking into buildings on fire with zero visibility and heat pushing us down to the floor. You know, I mean, let's be honest, that's a, a pretty fucked up environment for any normal person. You know, we got to already have a little bit of that offset and that mentality to embrace that concept, to do what we do. But the bottom line is these guys, these men that are there to teach you are there to keep you and others alive. And that is the beautiful messaging that I think smoke divers, the importance of smoke divers in our in our fire culture and what it does. Put the egos aside and look at the greater good that that program does for firefighters across this country. Yes, absolutely. And you had a lot of firefighters from outside of Oklahoma with you and Georgia does too. And I think Indiana as well. Um, Florida, I don't know so much. We're, we're a pretty big state. We get a lot of people in from Florida. I don't know if we've had any out of staters to be honest with you. Um, I'd have to ask that question totally, but Oklahoma had a few. In, in Oklahoma class one. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to trying to say that I, you know, I went through the program or I'm, I'm associated with the program. I just know that I, I was able to be involved at least in some part of class one and I intend to be involved in class two and, and become a smoke diver. But uh, in class one, we had uh, myself and another fairly local guy from Missouri. We had mm-hmm. guys from Kansas, guys from Oklahoma, guys from Texas. Uh, we had a guy from, uh, shoot, I can't remember. I want to say Washington state, maybe. I remember uh, in that in conversation, I think chief Miller mentioned that to me at one point. Yeah, he had, yeah. he had flown in. Um, so we, we did have, uh, we had a number of people representing mm-hmm. primarily the Midwest, but, but around the, the country. And, yeah. and of course the instructor cadre was made up of guys that had been through the Georgia program. And it was, it was guys from Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, um, and of course, some of the guys from Georgia and, uh, you know, there were guys from, again, all over the country and then they all come together. None of those guys get paid. They're mm-hmm. all there because it's about the brotherhood and about making the fire service better and, and making us all better. And I want to tell you something, you know, stop, stop saying you're not affiliated with the program. Okay. Because you're fucking affiliated with the program. You showed up day one. You didn't coward out. Okay. I don't care well, if day one beat your dick in the dirt. You showed up day one and you put your fucking best foot forward. You came to a realization. You said, you know what? I know I'm not ready, but that doesn't mean I'm quitting to never come back. That just means, fuck, I know what I need to do now to come back and conquer this program. And even you said it in those conversations with the instructors after the fact, the very men that vouch for you, or at least you feel vouch for you. What did they do? They didn't beat you down. They didn't yeah. take you and kill your kill your desires and your hopes to come back. What the fuck did they do? Instead, they lifted you up. They said, yeah, you're going to come back. Just a uh, fat guy with a great mustache on the other end of this microphone. Who the fuck stood in your corner? And, and I'm not saying this to boast, but Jesus, man, you're going back for two and you're going to own two. And I don't care if you make it to day three, you're going to own it more than you did in one. OK, and if you got to go to three and you get to five, great. If you go to four, and you get the six. Well, guess what? Four is your lucky number because I don't see you quitting until you accomplish this. You're right. You're right. I don't. I think you're going to fucking do this. And whether it's going to be you doing it now 
which I am wholly convinced you now got a taste of what it is and you realize expectations aside what you got to do and you well, got now, that plan. I mean, it's out there for everybody and, and all of the, all the can man followers now know. So I, I've, I've got the accountability there. I got to do it now. Well, There's I mean, you're never, you're never going to, you're never going to offend me if, if, if you fail. Okay. Cause you know, remember something, the guy right here looking at you fails daily. Okay. And <laughs> I, I would rather, I would rather try and fail then then sit back and say you know what I, maybe i just it's not for me because no it's but, just the way i'm wired but what i want you to do what i want you to do is exactly what you're doing now is inspiring others out there me included to be honest with you i maybe i drop 50 pounds maybe i take it on in 2022 i don't know i'm i'm scared to death of it i'll be honest with you i love it but it, it's just like wow if you know, Chris can do it at 48 and I'm 43. There's no reason I can't do it at 45, you know, and challenge myself. Oh yeah. I'm seriously thinking about it. That's no joke. Um, cardiac history aside, thank God it was nothing. You know, I mean, it was a lesson and it was a moment. I think it was an eye opener for me to spend four days in the hospital and realize, you know, I'm not invincible. You know, these are things that I need to care for on my own self. I've got a family. I've got mm -hmm. children. I've got an obligation to them. I got to be here for them. So, the messaging you're giving today, I'm I'm willing to bet beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're inspiring a listener right now to say, Indiana, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, which one am I going to? Because it's all going to depend on availability, their time, their you know proximity to the program, I think in some cases, and their willingness to do it. And this is why I'm so grateful you came on the show today to talk about your experience and, and get back in, get your head back in the game. Well, and, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm nobody from a, a nothing department in the middle of nowhere, but, um, you know, there's a lot of us around the world and the fire service is made up of us. There's, you know, there's a handful of superstars out there that everybody knows, but, uh, people need to know that there's more, there's more of us out there that are just, you know, average Joe's getting through the day and, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> There's greatness in all of us. It's just a matter of bringing it out. Just like I said to Steve Green and Herbie and a few others in different podcasts, um, there's always potential. And you have to see that potential no matter how frustrating it is. You know, like we talked about the example of the entitled kid and his parents at 21 going in and saying, put my kid back in standards. Well, you know, that, that's bullshit. Okay, we know that's bullshit. And, and that's not okay. There's a standard. The standard exists for a reason. Okay. But... If you cross that door into that department or into that training center, you know, there, there's a, an expectation where there's potential that you have to be willing to, to see. You can't just judge a book by its cover. You got to see that potential. And, and, and that still exists in all of us, especially the ones that care about this profession, the imperfect ones and those who feel they're perfect and walk a shit walk. And then those who actually do better than most, you know, and, and fare better. Okay. I get it. You know, it's, it is what it is. I I'm in the imperfect category, but I, I am grateful to at least have this opportunity to be just an average Joe who has a passion for this service like you and cares and, and wants to see people succeed. You know, I think it's just a beautiful thing. And all right. I want some closing messages. Let's get some good inspiration out there because I've already given you my pep talk. You're, you're going to two, you're going to own two. And I'm, I cannot wait to see you start that program, watch your journey getting to that program 
And then, of course, completing that program, because that's going to be a very proud day for all of us who are part of your family, part of your your inner circle that are rooting for you from day one and now and always have been and will, because we know you're going to do it. So let's get some good words of inspiration out there. Oh, words of inspiration, man. (laughs) Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not really that rah, rah, or, you know. You can say something good, though. And I think you do have something you want to say. And I think part of it, go ahead. I, I do, you know, like I said just a minute ago, I just want all those those guys out there, guys and gals that are, you know, they feel like they're, they don't have the opportunity or they don't have the recognition or they don't have this or that. You know what? It's, it's not about that as much as it is making you better you than you were yesterday and, and always moving forward and remembering why we're here. Uh, you know, I, I have kind of taken the, uh, the quote that is, is attributed to Anchorage fire. The, I'm not here for me. I'm here for we, and we are here for them. I've kind of taken that and bastardized it to my own. It's them, us, me, and, and that's, you know, damn straight. We, we damn see straight. There. I love it's, it. Uh, Go ahead. That, that's, that's why, that's why we're here. We're here for them. And uh, it's our responsibility to make sure that we're the best us that we can be for them. Damn straight, brother. And like I said, thank you. Thank you for everything you did for us and still do for us as a family and stepping up last week and being there for my wife and me and the kids. And, you know, you you've been there day one, man, literally. I mean, you've <laughs> the conference calls we had, the plans we've all had, the things we've seen grow with this platform. And you've been a part of it since day one. You've been able to now see it grow to this and be a part of it and share your messaging. And it's just a beautiful thing to have you on this show. And I'm grateful for that. So thanks for coming on today and just just being here with me today. Oh, thank you. And who would have thought just a few years ago, sitting at FDIC and get a, a random message from some dude on uh, on Facebook, hey, you want to be a part of this group? And uh, and look where it's gone. Hey, man, it's, it's got the sky's the limit. And there's no doubt about that. And it's because of contributors like you and the others that have been here from the beginning that I'm eternally grateful for and the messaging that gets spread and the importance of mentoring and leadership and succession planning. And to me, that's some of the most important components of the fire service. So brother, you're going to get there. You're going to do this and you are a good leader and you're a good mentor. Don't ever forget that. Well, I appreciate that. And you, uh, you keep doing what you're doing because the, the word needs to get out. That's uh, uh, you're right. It is, it is an important message and it's one that I think has, uh, not necessarily been lost, but I think it kind of uh, faded for a bit. And we need to make sure that that, uh, that doesn't get lost. Rock on, brother. Well, on that note, I want to thank you again, Seamus, Chris, you know, <laughs> either way you want to go. Shay, Chris. OK, you know, make it a French restaurant. Thanks for go. coming on today, brother. Um, as you. always, guys, keep your head on a swivel. Look out for each other. You are your brother's, your sister's keeper. And, you know, the bottom line is we're here for each other. And it really, truly is going to be a matter of you facing your potential full on and saying, I can take this on. I can do this. And I'm not going to let failure inhibit me from doing it. Because if I do, I'll come back and do it again, just like Seamus is going to do it, too. So God bless, guys. And we'll catch you on the next one. 
of online training with the Can Man Radio Show. Did you remember to train your probie today? The Can Man knows. He knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams. Thanks for listening to the show, guys. And if you want to look for more content out there from some great firefighters on some awesome podcasts, go check out some of my friends, starting with my good friend Steve Green from the Five Alarm Task Force and my good buddy Rob Pollock from Flow Invent, the Down to Fight Fire podcast out of British Columbia, Canada, A. SA Matters with Dr. Richard Gassaway, my good friend Ryan Pennington from West Virginia with Jump Seat Radio and that Jump Seat Radio Nation. Pin the Q, Code 3, Do Work, The Thin Red Line with my brother Captain John Haywick out of Passaic as well, The Fire Rescue Show, The Average Jake Firefighter, and of course, John Spira and the Fit to Fight Fire podcast. Go check these brothers out as they put great content out there and they're going to appreciate your support. See you on the next one.